as a child, that's your only experience of love, right? Your parents are your only way to understand what love even is. So you sort of deeply take into the muscles and cells of your body the understanding that love means being hot and cold and that agitation that comes with being in a hot and cold relationship is what you think of as love. This is why oftentimes people will find stable relationships as too boring, quote unquote, because they have had some sort of trauma bonding, right, in their past and have programmed unconsciously that up and down uh, reaction and the emotional instability of that trauma bonding has in their minds been equated with love. Welcome to Your Brain on Trauma, where we share science-based tools to heal from childhood traumas so you can let go of patterns that might be holding you back, have better relationships, and pass on a legacy that you're proud of. I'm your host, Dr. Kavita Sun. I'm a Harvard-trained psychiatrist, a trauma recovery coach, and a survivor myself. I'm super honored to have you here. I've got so much to share with you. Let's dive in. Hello, hello, my friends. How are you guys doing today? I hope your day is going well. I have had a wonderful week so far. I just turned 47. (laughs) Cannot even believe that I am at least halfway through my life. Um, How time flies. And so we had a birthday celebration the last couple of days, and it was wonderful. Kristen, my spouse, had... uh, booked a resort nearby as a surprise and our whole family went there and spent a couple of days and it was just wonderful so special so um and we just got home and I wanted to record this podcast about toxic relationships and why we stay in them Right, I've seen this um, pattern of late. I mean, it comes and goes in waves where I'll have for a season a bunch of friends who will be struggling in their relationships, as I have in my past a lot. And for many of them, right, for most of them, in fact, they are both good people with good intentions, but lack of skills and lack of tools and lack of perspective, right? And that is really easy to fix if you know what to do at what time and the sequence to do it in. But sometimes people are in just bad relationships, right? There is verbal abuse. There's sometimes even physical abuse. There is just so much sometimes repeated infidelity, right? And most of the time, because they're my friends, you know, they're complaining about their spouses. Most of the time in these cases, it's the spouses who are, quote-unquote, behaving badly. But spouses also being just normal human beings who 
you know, have their own limitations like we do. If you're listening to this podcast, maybe you're struggling with one of those things. Maybe you tend to um, use language that is harsh and hurtful and critical or character blaming when you're upset. Maybe you tend to shove when you're worked up. Maybe you have flirted or had an affair, right? So there is no good, bad in this as much as there is the acceptance that this relationship is really not working. That's what I mean by toxic. It just is not working. And there are repetitive, deeply troubling and damaging behaviors and patterns that we are sort of um, choosing to ignore, right? So why do we stay in such relationships, whether we're the people behaving badly or we have partners behaving badly, whatever may be the case, you know, even if you are the one who is indulging in these behaviors, clearly you're needing help as well and you're overwhelmed as well and you don't know how to do any different, otherwise you would, right? So again, I am not interested in blaming. I'm interested in first seeing it for what it is. This is a relationship that is not working, okay? So when we look at bad relationships, right, why do people stay? Many, many, many relationships have been bad for years, and yet people stay. And not only do they stay, they maintain, they go out of their way to maintain a facade of um, a functional family, right? They may be successful in their careers. They may be, um, you know, posting cute family pictures in matching Christmas pajamas on Facebook, right? We go out of our way to maintain a facade, even though all of this is happening and has been going on for years. And that is fascinating to me that we, as a species, tend to do that. Why? Right? I myself have struggled with this a lot. And I'll talk about um, sort of, I, I can point to three or four big reasons that I think we Um, some of us tend to stay in relationships that are just not working. And um, I'll talk about my reason when, when that one comes up. But the four reasons that I've been able to pinpoint is one is having an anxious attachment. So many of you may be aware, but for those who are not, attachment is the um, relationship that you have with your primary caregiver and you can have a secure attachment where you feel loved and safe and taken care of and you feel seen and important and there are also boundaries and rules in that parent-child relationship, right? Safety for children means also having boundaries and rules. So when that sort of secure attachment is present in your uh, childhood with your primary caregiver, then you um, often grow up to have secure attachment with other adults in your life, meaning you can hear their point of view, you can hold your own um, needs and opinions and values 
you can make um, hard decisions, you can have difficult conversations without losing your sense of self, that sort of thing. The other two kinds of attachment is anxious attachment and avoidant attachment. And then there's also the disorganized. So I won't go too deep into all of that, but just to say anxious attachment often has us um, stay in situations way past their expiration date, right? Um, Because in anxious attachers, there is a belief that they just cannot survive without this other person. They get such anxiety about the prospect of this person not just leaving the relationship, but even sort of leaving on a trip or not returning your text on time or not spending, you know, the right amount of time that you think they should spend with you, right? All of that causes intense panic and anxiety. And that's very characteristic of having had an anxious attachment as a child with your caregiver as well. So when we have that kind of anxious attachment, then we can often want to be overly enmeshed with our partners. We want to know everything that they're thinking. We want to know what they like, what they don't like. We want to be their number one all the time. We want them to tell us that we are their number one all the time. We want them to show us um, in whatever way that you like to be loved. Maybe you like getting gifts or maybe you like, you know, being taken on dates. Whatever you like, you're looking for that constantly. And even if they give it to you, right, in a couple of days, it evaporates and you want more because that anxiety is constant, right? And so when you have that anxious attachment and we want to be so enmeshed with our partners, our partners will either will attract partners who tend to, in general, be avoidant, right? They tend to pull back, be lone wolves, not want to share their feelings, right? Be kind of introvert and silent types. We seek out such partnerships because that's the only way that we can play out the anxious attachment, right? We can only be anxious and trying to chase after somebody if that other somebody doesn't want to be caught, right? So it's interesting that we will end up pairing unconsciously with people who tend to pull away. And because you have such an anxiety about the partner pulling away or the potential of distance emotionally with your partner. So we can become really intrusive and micromanaging and controlling and critical um, of our partners. And that can make a relationship uh, really, you know, not functional and doesn't feel good for both partners involved. Interestingly, the more the anxious partner pursues, the more the avoidant partner withdraws. And then the withdrawal becomes so extreme that it actually triggers the anxious partners pursuing even more. And after a while, it becomes its own sort of tornado effect, right? Both of them are sort of heightening the reactivity from the other person. So that's one reason I've seen that play out a lot, the pursuer, withdrawer, anxious, avoidant dynamic being played out to such an extent and with very limited awareness that it becomes a toxic relationship. 
The second reason that I've seen uh, people staying in bad relationships is what we call trauma bonding. What that means is that one or both partners have had some form of trauma in their earlier developmental years. So for example, let's say you had a, um, a parent or both your parents, maybe, or maybe just one of your parents, your main caregiver, was someone who was hot and cold, right? They would be suddenly loving and then they would pull away and become harsh or they would ignore you and then they would buy you gifts and they would um, praise you for certain things and for other things really put you down, right? So if someone had a parent who was hot and cold like that, then you understand love as being hot and cold, right? Because as a child, that's your only experience of love, right? Your parents are your only way to understand what love even is. So you sort of deeply take into the muscles and cells of your body the understanding that love means being hot and cold. And that agitation that comes with being in a hot and cold relationship is what you think of as love. This is why oftentimes people will find stable relationships as too boring, quote unquote, because they have had some sort of trauma bonding, right, in their past and have programmed unconsciously that up and down uh, reaction and the emotional instability of that trauma bonding has in their minds been equated with love, okay? If this is one of the reasons, you'll notice that people who suffer with trauma bonding in their marital relationship or romantic relationship will often have trauma bonding in their other relationships. So their relationship with their mom will also have this push and pull quality to it over their sister, over their best friend, right? So um, trauma bonding does, doesn't necessarily have to be push and pull. It depends on what sort of trauma bonding you learned early on as being love. So for example, you might have learned that being quiet and subservient and being the good girl was what got you love from your parent. And so in your mind, that sort of unequal parent-child sort of relationship is what you understand as love. And so you may then now be really subservient and um, sort of be, maybe be a leader in other parts of your life, but then you come to your romantic relationship and you're really scared um, to disagree or you're scared the other person raises their voice and things like that, right? So trauma bonding is not a particular kind of interaction. It is, it is an unhealthy coding for what love is defined as in your mind based on your early trauma relationship bonding experiences that you now bring into your adult relationships, okay? The third one is what I call the fear of abandonment. And this is the one that I struggled with a lot. And it's very common in borderline personality disorder as well, right? Um, I never met criteria for borderline personality disorder, but I had some of the, the 
uh, traits of it, okay, where there was this push and pull relationship with uh, romantic partnerships and sort of um, a roller coaster uh, nature to my relationships and abrupt stops and abrupt falling in love and that kind of thing. So this fear of abandonment was a big part of my teens and 20s, okay? And the way I would describe it, at least for me, was that I would get to a point in a relationship where I wasn't even sure that I liked the person or loved them, but I couldn't imagine not being with them. I couldn't imagine, actually what I couldn't imagine is being alone, right? So being alone felt so overwhelming, even the prospect of it. It felt not just overwhelming, it felt like death. It felt so scary that I would, and everybody, you know, they have their own way of managing that. They have their own way of managing that in um, when they are in the midst of it, right? So some of us get reactive, some of us get blaming, some of us get pleading and begging, some of us get quiet and withdrawn, whatever it is. But the underlying fear of abandonment is so intense that even if you aren't sure that you even like the person anymore, you are terrified. It feels like death to imagine being alone, right? So in this circumstance, it's not the bond with this other person per se that you're anxious about. It's the fear of being alone, okay? So these are the three major sort of um, boxes that I've noticed most of us fall into when we continue to stay in bad relationships, whether the relationship is bad because the other person is acting out or whether we're acting out. Either way, we stay because of falling into one of these three buckets. And all of these three buckets also uh, come with low self-esteem, right? Because of all the experiences that happen when you have anxious attachment or trauma bonding or fear of abandonment, you have repetitive, you know, sort of intense feelings and harsh words being exchanged or distance and loneliness or loss of relationships. Because of these repeated um, actual experiences, you end up pretty quickly with low self-esteem, which then perpetuates the cycle. So I've been noticing that when we are in one of these situations, we will often have some reason for it. Like we might say, you know, I'm ready to leave my marriage, but I can't financially survive alone. Or I'm ready to leave my marriage, but my kids will, um, you know, they, they need to be in a two-parent home, whatever it is. And here's the thing. I'm not saying that you should leave. That's not what I'm saying. I'm saying the ignoring of the fact that this relationship is not working for either of you and brushing that under the carpet and instead just fighting and repeating the same superficial arguments, right? And then when you're at the peak of your upset saying, well, I wish I could leave, but I can't because I don't have any money or because 
the kids like him or whatever, is an excuse. It doesn't mean you need to leave. You may leave. But what it does mean is speaking the freaking truth. This is not working. This is toxic. This is damaging to two people's hearts and minds and souls. This is damaging for our children to be raised in. We need to do something. I need to do something, even if you're not willing yet. I will do something about this. I will either make it a priority, make it a top three priority in my life to fix this, or I will make preparations to leave. Either one or the other, but the refusing to see the truth and just playing out unconscious, repetitive dramas based on our past attachment styles or trauma bonding or fear of abandonment is doing a big disservice to both of you and your futures and your children. So if you recognize yourself or a friend of yours or someone that you know or care about in any of these descriptions, have them come and check out the clearing event that we are doing in the beginning of March. The link for that is in the show notes. We're going to do a three-day live online event where we go really deep into helping you heal these patterns that are coming from um, these past trauma bonding and attachment wounds. And you can check it out and see if it's something that you or someone you know may benefit from. Um, Also, we're going to be opening up HYR, Heal Your Relationships. That's our flagship program. We're opening up the next round in the mid of March 2023. And uh, we only have few seats. We don't take more than 20 people um, because it's a small group, really. Um, a lot of hand-holding, and it's a eight-week program. If you're interested in that, just send us an email to admin at drkavitasun.com. And let us know that you want more information about HYR, Heal Your Relationships. That's what it stands for. And we'll get you that information. All right. Again, that's admin at drkavithasun.com. I'll talk to you next week. Big hugs. Bye-bye. Hi, my friend. If you found this episode helpful, come join us in our free Facebook group called Your Brain on Trauma. The link is in the show notes. And there is a whole community there of women just like you who are on this sacred healing journey. We cannot heal in isolation. We need community. And that's what we have in our free Facebook group. I'll see you there.